Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion! With Scott Prather. Steal the show. On ESPN 1420 and ESPN1420.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the 8 o'clock hour of the Great Scott Show. The Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank joining me early in the morning, as he will, throughout the season on Wednesdays. That would be associate head baseball coach for Louisiana's Raging Cajuns, Anthony Babineau. Good morning, Bab. Good morning, Scott. How are you? You ready to play? I'm ready. Put me in, coach. Put me in, coach. You know, you guys play, what, 17 games last year? 17, yes. Then the, the the season ends abruptly for all reasons we know. And now here you are counting down to finally get to play again. And then this crazy winter storm comes in. Like, Are you sure you're going to play Friday, Coach? We're going to play. It's It's been moved up a few hours, thankfully, uh, to 2 p.m. instead of the scheduled 6 p.m. start. But we're going to get to play. It's been since last March 10th that we – had our last game and, and probably our best game uh, of the season, you know, a 7-0 shutout win over McNeese. But after that, the season got shut down because of the pandemic, and we've been working our way back ever since, and, and we are we are ready to go. The guys are chomping at the bit and have done a tremendous job to get back to the point that they are now with staying safe and the protocols that have been put in place by the school and uh, by the guys themselves as far as, you know, measures that they've taken to, to – Try to stay safe. So it's been a long road to hoe, but we've hoed it, and and it's time to plant the crops now. I can't wait, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. I know fans are anxious and uh, and ready to get this thing started. So 2 o'clock on Friday at Tulane is the first pitch, 1.30 pregame. That'll be on our sibling station, News Talk 96.5 KPL. We might just have to simulcast that one since it's the season opener. We'll see. We'll, we, we might have to put it on here as well. But we also got women's basketball that day. We got men's basketball. That's at night. Um, and uh, and, and they're, they're having some pretty good seasons too. And then softball was supposed to start Friday. Now it's starting Saturday as their season. This is probably the first time ever that baseball season will begin before softball season. You are correct, yes, because they always get cranked up a – a week, week and a half before we do. Expect the unexpected, uh, I guess, in 2020 and 2021, right, Bab? So we're going on between a, as a player and, and as someone on the staff. How many years is this for you with Rage Cajun Baseball? I think it's 27. 27? I'm trying to keep count as best as I can. Uh, well, no, add four for the player, so 31. So, yeah, over three decades. Have you ever... Um, well, in, in the follow-up, how long have you been in charge for the most part of the scheduling aspect of this? That goes back to 2009, I okay. believe. So yes. it's been a minute. I mean, we're going on 12 years, 13 seasons. I'm I'm guessing this has been the most challenging and most unique one? Well, yes, only because of how many cancellations and reschedules there has there has had to be been because of the pandemic and people not being able to travel as far, whether it be canceling games that were supposed to be here, whether it be us traveling trips, which, you know, fortunately we only had to tra- to cancel one. We were supposed to travel to Virginia Tech to repay that series that was played here last year by Coach Chef and, and his club, but we couldn't do that just because of, of 
cost measures and, and, you know, budgets being down on, on everybody's end. So we had to cancel that series, but, and then the Florida international series, which was supposed to be this weekend here at Russo park was canceled, but fortunately was able to pick up very good series with Tulane with Houston Baptist. So, and then we had to move some midweek games around because of the Southland Conference's decision to play four-game conference weekend series. So that only left them four midweek non-conference games. So those guys had to kind of pick and choose who they wanted to play. And, and we had to, a couple of them had to drop us, so to speak, because of other series or other games that they had. So had to move some things around. So it has been the most difficult, although – some years it's just difficult to find anybody, somebody to play with, with our non-conference series, whether it be at the beginning of the year, a bye weekend, in the middle of the season. So sometimes scheduling just kind of falls in line, and it's real easy. In other years it can really be a challenge. I guess in this instance, the fact that everyone was kind of dealing with the same thing, not that it was easy by any stretch, as you said, but it wasn't a situation of, man, I got to go out and look everywhere and just try to find a single team that might – now you're kind of like, look, everyone's in the same boat here. Let's all try to work together and figure it out. Right. There were more teams with availability. You're yeah. Correct. So, you know, in that aspect, it, it made things a little easier. ESPN 1420.com, Anthony Babineau, our guest, associate head baseball coach for Louisiana. Um, you guys had a, a Diamond Club meeting yesterday, did you not? We did. We had a Diamond Club virtual meeting. First time we did that. You know, normally we meet in person up in the stadium club at the park and, and have a meal and head coach, myself, our assistants, a player kind of address the group. But for reasons we all know of, we couldn't meet in person this year. Craig Melanson, who kind of heads things up for us, and he's our technical guru as far as that goes. He's a quiet guy, doesn't talk much. No, no, he's not. he is. But he set up a Zoom for us and, and had a great introduction and – there were, I think, close to 50, 55 members that were on the Zoom call. And so we were able to get a lot of good information out to those members. And that's how we're going to have our meetings throughout the season, you know, unless things change as, as we go forward. But every couple of weeks, we're going to have Zoom meetings to give information out and, and give all the, the perks that the members of the Diamond Club sure. um, that they get. Yeah, they, they get intel that, that others don't. So I'm not going to ask you to, to release all of the secrets. But I do have some questions, and my sure. guess is some of them might cross over. What, what's been the most common question, whether it be yesterday or when you talk to a, you know, a supporter out in public, um, whether it be virtually or in person with a mask, what's the most common question that you've got? I guess the most common question is, are, are you guys ready to go? Which that's kind of a rhetorical question, right? That doesn't need. Right. That's somebody that that's just walking by. That, that doesn't Y'all ready need. to play ball, coach? <laughs> yeah. No, it, I think really just how we've handled everything, you know, through the, the pandemic and the, the season getting shut down last year and, and the preparations that were needed to get to the point that we are now. That's been the most common question. And like I mentioned at the when we first got on, it's just it's been a lot of hard, diligent work by a lot of people, whether it be the school administration, by the coaching staff. The players really have had to do the most work. Uh, they, they're the ones that have had to stay safe and, and somewhat change the way that they go about their everyday life because they're college kids. You know, you and I as grown-ups and, and a lot of the grown-ups listening, you know, we can, at this point in our life, we can 
kind of give up some things, right? Because we've been there, done that, right? But for these kids, these four years that they're in college, I mean, we were there, you know, this is the best years of their life, so to speak, you know, where, where it's a very social, social four years of getting out and, and being with people and, and interacting with people. And these guys have not been able to do that. They, they just have not. And, and we've asked them not to do it for the safety of, of not just themselves, but for, for the program and, and for the school to be able to get to this point and have a season. So they've, they've had to give up a lot. They really have. And, the fall semester, we've had we had a couple of positive tests the first week of school, and we didn't have another positive until almost two weeks before the semester finished. So that told us that they did a pretty good job of, of doing what we asked, which was go to school, come to practice, and go home. You know, and and think about it in college. That's Mm-mm. I don't know about you, but that's not what that's not what I did when when I was in college. It wasn't just go to school, go to practice, go home. You know, there was some a lot of social activity involved be, because we could, right? That we didn't have this this pandemic going on. But you're in your late teens, early twenties. Exactly, exactly. So Bab went and hung out at the keg a little bit. <laughs> I, I did. I cannot tell a lie. So and this semester's been no different. You know, we test twice a week. Um, yes, twice a week. During the season, all staff, all players, everybody gets tested twice a week. And if there's wood, you know, I'm knocking on it because as of now, we've had no positives. Any staff member, any player. So guys are doing a great job of of staying within their circle. So to speak. just as I mentioned, going to, of course, the going to, going to class part is easy now because just about everything is online. I think we have two kids that actually go into class this semester, everything else is online. So that part of it is pretty easy because they're just on their computer at their apartment or in the clubhouse. But they've doing a good job. They're doing a good job of, of staying within our bubble, so to speak. Anthony Babineau, our guest. So what what is some of the impact you've seen as a result of that um, in regards to how these guys socialize, whether it be with one another? Like if if you if you just woke up from a coma and went right back to work. And you didn't know what's unfolded here over the last um, eleven months. Would you be able to look at that team in practice and say something was different in any absolutely way? Absolutely not. I mean, absolutely it's just business not. as no. usual. Really, and I think it's gotten them closer together because they've had just each other. That's kind of was 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 going to be my next question. They've had yeah. just each other really to hang out with, you know. So, no, you couldn't. You wouldn't be able to notice anything, you know. And as far as it, it didn't affect them. The fact that they had to do all their schooling online and virtual this past semester, we, we set a school record for our baseball program for a GPA with a 3.6 team GPA. So they've handled everything very, very well, and they've become really, really a tight-knit bunch and are just really looking forward to the opportunity to, to play baseball again. I'm sure they are ready to uh, to compete. ESPN1420.com. All right, when we come back, we're going to start asking some questions about the roster Depth on that pitching staff. Bab mentioned the the last time they played, most complete game of that season. Where does the offense pick up from here? That competition for positions in the infield. We're going to get into all of that and more. Don't go anywhere. It's the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather, Associate Head Baseball Coach Anthony Babineau in studio with me. He'll be here every Wednesday. Spread the news. If you have questions for him, you can email us, scott at ESPN1420.com. Hit us up, 269-1077, or tweet the show at ESPN1420. Don't go anywhere. We're right back right after this. 
Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Rage Occasion Associate Head Baseball Coach Anthony Babino is with us. Are you still in control of the musical playlist at, at BP in practice? I was just going to ask, is that who's that girl? That's um, King of Wishful Thinking. Who are they? No. Um, they were, uh, what's the name of the group? A little duo. I can't think of it. Okay, I, I recognize it now. I thought it was another name. No, now, see, now, now I'm mad that I can't think of it off the top of my head. Oh, uh, Go West. Go West. Go okay. West. That's right up. That's your arrow right there, Bab. It's your heyday. That's when Bab was hitting it up at the keg there back in college right there. Yeah. Going back to the earlier conversation, right? <laughs> hey, it's all about trying to segue from one thing to another. That's it. Um, That's it. I am somewhat in charge of the, uh, the music. We have other guys that kind of make some playlists and – Go back and forth from different playlists to playlists for practice or pregame. So, well, I know you had some strong opinions about some of the stuff Jay and I have played on on Terrible Tune Tuesday in the past. Some, some you agree with, some you that really upset you. So, something music, something that whether you want to admit it or not, I think you're passionate about. Oh, I'll admit it. Okay, I'm very passionate <laughs> about music. Make no mistake Make about no it. Mistake. No, no, I will. I'll admit that any day of the week. All right. For well, sure. if if, uh, if it's wishful thinking to think that coming into this season with so many newcomers that the Cajuns are going to have everything locked down. Um, Coach Deggs talked so much when I spoke with him, I guess, three weeks ago about, look, we just we want competition everywhere. That's how it is. That's how it's going to be. That's how it's going to continue to be. I felt like mm. coming into this season, maybe Brennan Bro was probably the only spot where I looked at and said, okay, we know he's going to start, but – what about everywhere else? Where are you guys at with, with these other positions heading into the season? Well, we, as you mentioned, there is and has been a lot of competition out there by some very, very athletic players, which, you know, when, when you have depth as we do, it makes the inter-squad game so very good because there's a lot of pushing going on at each, each position. You know, and some things have... have kind of played themselves out at, at different positions. And, and today, which is going to be our last practice, is when Coach is going to kind of one-on-one talk to everybody. He's done it with the pitching staff yesterday. He'll go through the position players today to kind of, at least for the opening weekend, go over roles and what their role is going to be with, with everyone. So, you know, we're very close to to putting a lineup together that, that we're comfortable with and that we want to see opening night. And, you know, the opening night lineup probably – is not going to be well. Not probably. It it won't be the lineup that's we're going to run out there in April, May, and and hopefully June. You know. So, um, but there's going to be some some players that you see out there that we're going to more than likely stick with for a little while, no matter how how good or how bad they do, just because we project that that they're going to be a guy for us, and they need to be in the lineup every day to kind of get going. And so you're going to see that a little bit. And you'll see some other guys that that. You're going to be able to say, okay, I can see that he's he's the guy, he's their guy at, at that position, you know. Um, kind of just going around the horn real quickly behind the plate, we have a grad transfer, Drake Osborne, that that you guys have probably heard a little bit about or a lot about. He's done an exceptional job. He's an older guy with a lot of experience. He'll get a lot of time back there. And then we have Julian Brock that's back. We have Nick Hagedorn. First base, we have a lot of options. You know, Brandon Talley our best defensive first baseman that we have, and he does a good job offensively also, but he's also one of our better left-handed pitchers. So there's going to be two or three guys that, that play there from Ben Fitzgerald. Brennan Bro has been doing a lot of work at first base. He's a very good first baseman also. 
And the reason that you see, uh, like a guy like Brennan, you say, why Brennan first base? He's such a great outfielder. Well, we brought in athletes and, and players that, that are also great outfielders, you know? So so we have the ability to take a, a, a guy that can really go get it in the outfield like Brendan, Brennan, move him to the infield and still be covered defensively in the outfield, you know? So, so you see Brennan moving around a little bit or mainly being at first? Well, no, I see Brennan mainly in the outfield. Okay. But, you know, he when can you need when he you can need to. he can gotcha. play first base, you gotcha. know. Okay. Second base, Sam Raiola, junior college transfer, John, a kid that we had great expectations for last season but broke his foot right before the season started so he was not able to play. He's back, he's healthy, he's performing at a very high level. Shortstop, Brett Borgano, transfer from Cal State Fullerton, Bobby Lede, transfer from Bossier Parish Community College, third base, Kevin Fitzgerald, Anthony Catalano, and I know I'm not giving you probably <laughs> what you want because you want to know but, so who's going to be at, at each spot. To, in, but I'll, I'll even say this, and you can correct me. You said that Coach plans on sitting down with some players today after practice right? and telling them what the plan is. So while I want you to tell me, and everyone's like, Scott, why don't you ask them, some of the players don't know yet, so Bab doesn't want to make this public when Coach hasn't got a chance. So I'll, I'll defend you on that because right. normally I I just I'd keep asking. You'd finally be like, "Shut up, Scott!" But I I don't. Let's be real, guys. I mean, they haven't sat down and talked to the players yet, and you don't want them hearing it, you know, from someone listening that texts the parent, and then a parent says this, and it just yeah. That's so I, I I I like to ask questions that. I may or may not get the answer to, but also want to be respectful of the job that you guys do when it comes to something like this and it's opening day on Friday and some of these guys haven't been told yet. Maybe you'll have it on paper. I don't expect you to reveal it to me when you guys haven't told the players. Yet. Yeah, these guys have worked really, really hard, you know, to, as I said, to get to where they are right now. And, you know, there's some that that are going to be disappointed when, when that lineup gets, you know, Coach Robichaud used to mention this all the time, how, you know, Everybody is just gung ho and gives everything they can just leading up to to opening day, and then as soon as that lineup card gets posted, you know they have a decision to make. It's either you know keep working and support the guy that is in front of them and pushing that player and still bringing something to make the team as good as as they can be, or into the dugout and hang their lip and, and be a distraction. You know, it's it's decision time. So, um, and, and that's kind of, you know, where things are right now. These guys have worked really, really hard, and everybody expects to see their name on the card because at some point or another they've had success, some more than others, obviously. And, and there's there's things that, that even, the, you know, the team sees also that, okay, this is the guy that's going to be here. You know, he, he's played well. He he He's earned it. He deserves it. But for others, it's it's going to be – you know, a support role uh, that they're going to have to play. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. It takes it takes everyone. It, it takes energy from every player on the team, every man in the dugout to, to get the things done that we want to accomplish. That, that sounds like an old drama teacher of mine, and I'm not even dogging you, but, like, the idea of, especially, like, high school, college, anything that is team-related – I remember doing drama and theater in high school and college, and the teachers would say, probably thought you were going to get this big role, and you go in the casting sheets out, and you see it's a supporting role, and you can either pout and ruin this whole production, or you can give it your all, support everybody. I mean, it, anything where it, it takes a whole group to come together, not everybody can be the alpha. Now, that's tough when you got a sport like baseball, QL, 
a coaching staff with you and others, and of course, Degs and the Wolfpack mentality because you want everyone to be alpha. So, how can a supporting role, supporting player, you know, uh, you know, character G on the cast list or whatever it might be for baseball? I don't know why I'm going with the drama analogies, but how can they still be an alpha when it's not, man, I'm at the plate and I'm ready to just rip into this thing? Well, you mean the support role players? Yeah. How, how do they alphas in in not I got you the traditional yeah. role that maybe a fan or a player would think of? Well, uh, they can do things throughout the game, whether it be keeping charts or just just positive energy. Really, you know, I'm not even going to say things. I I can start and finish with positive energy. You know, I'm not going to mention the, the the keeping the charts, the the working the bullpen thing. I'm not going to mention physical things, just, just positive energy, just not doing anything that makes the starters or the stars of the play, right, have any negative thought or have to worry about anything. You know, when a guy comes off the field and gets in, comes into the dugout, he doesn't want or need to see someone sitting on the end of the bench pouting because they're not playing or saying something negative about another player or the coach or, or so, so, just keeping positive energy throughout the entire game is is the number one reason, uh, the number one way that they can still be an alpha but without being on the field. Just basically not taking things. We say it all the time, you're either a giver or a taker. You're either bringing something or you're taking something. And even though you're not on the field, you can still bring something each and every day, every night out. ESPN1420.com, Anthony Babineau, our guest. So you mentioned you know players in the field. From a pitching standpoint, Bab, I've coach Coach Degg said as much when he was on me a few weeks ago. Those that follow this program closely have said it. A lot of quality depth on this pitching staff. Um, I'm not. We're not putting anything out there that I think at this point isn't common knowledge. <clears throat> Talk about guys and supporting roles. I think when you're at a, a position where you've got as much depth as you guys apparently do, um, is the approach to pitching different in terms of quote lead role supporting role than it is the other positions because I mean the pitchers just it's it's not the same as a position in the field so is the approach a little differently from both the coaching staff and the guys on the pitching staff well you know and and Matt mentioned this yesterday in the diamond club meeting is sometimes when you have this much depth on the pitching staff it can be either great or it can be not so great because there's only like you can you can go through a full season and get and and get really really far do really really well with probably six or seven really good arms, and and when you bring that number to ten possibly ten possibly eleven, you know that's a lot of good quality arms to try to find time for, or try to get time for right because you're gonna from week to week, you know if guys stay consistent you're gonna run the same guy out on Friday same guy out on Saturday same guy out on on Sunday. That's three guys. Well, if you've got 10 or 11, that's seven or eight more to go. Obviously, you've got relievers and, and, and back of the bullpen type guys, but typically when guys get in rhythms, coaches want to keep going to those guys because you know they can trust those guys and, and they keep producing, and sometimes there's some good arms that, that kind of get forgotten about. But we kind of... We don't know how it's going to go because we really haven't had a, a staff. We've had some good staffs here in the past, as you guys all know. But I have never been a part of a staff that has been this good and this deep, you know, with with 
the type of stuff they have, the power stuff they have, the consistency in the strike zone. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting, but but it's going to be fun because you know every guy that we bring out there is just it's a take it to you kind of guy. It really is. It's power. It's good off speed stuff. There's a few guys mixed in there that are more finesse, but for the most part, it's just power after power with stuff, and it's it's been fun to watch. It really has been. Well, with that many arms, do you do you envision having a, a a closer role like a Dylan Moore type, or is this likely going to be more of we got all these arms? It's going to be a different closer just based on the day. Well, I think there will be probably one or two will solidify that role, but I think we're in a situation where we have enough guys to where we don't have to, like you say, a Dylan Moore or, or like a Matt Hicks type guy where, okay, this is the guy. We can, if the starter gives us five, we could run the next guy in and just, he can give us the next four and just finish the game. You know what I'm saying? And not have to come in that ninth inning to a one-inning guy. You know, that we have guys that can just, whether they come in in the sixth or seventh, just finish the game out. So I think that that's going to be more of what kind of how you see us play the back end of the of games, at least for now. Like what we have planned out for this weekend is like we've got a list of three guys that we want to throw Friday, three that we want to throw Saturday, and three that we want to throw Sunday. Or at least if we need to throw all three, these are the guys based on who's going to follow up each guy. Like if the guy on Friday is going to be a, a – a power righty, you know, with 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 a power sinker and and a, a sharp slider, or whatever. Then a guy that follows him might be from you know from the left side, a little different type arm, you know. So we've got guys lined up for each each day. Hopefully, it plays out per the script. That's always best case scenario. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the starters, have you guys? Does the team know at this point, or just the staff, or does they have a pretty good idea? Well. They have a pretty good idea because those are the guys whose innings have been extended in our inter-squad games. It's guys like Hayden Dirk, the freshman from North Vermilion, um, Chipper Jones, the freshman from New Iberia, senior, <clears throat> excuse me, senior high, Spencer Araghetti, uh, junior college transfer, um, was his, was at TCU his freshman year. Carter Robinson, who, <clears throat> excuse me, was on the mound last time we. We played baseball, and that 7-0 win at McNeese had a tremendous outing. You know, those are the guys that are going to be the the, the starters. Um, and then we have guys like Jacob Schultz in the middle of the game. Um, you know, Jack Burke, his innings have been extended. Jack is kind of a starter. So we've got those guys that are going to take the ball at the front end of the game for us. Do you – we know who's. Do you care to share who's starting yet, or are we gonna have to wait on that till the game notes come out? No, um, Hayden Dirk's gonna go out Friday. Okay, Connor Angel's gonna go out Saturday. Carter Rob Sunday. There you go. But in you know, I wasn't asking you about the other players, but uh, Dirk Angel and uh, who was the third one? The Sunday guy. Carter Robinson. Got gotcha, you. Got gotcha, you. Got gotcha. you. Yeah. Um, you between know, between Dirk and Angel, and I'll even throw Connor Cook in there. Who has the most velocity? It depends on the day. It really does. I mean, Connor Angel <clears throat> has been up to 98 in the, this past fall. Now he hasn't gotten there this spring, but he was there in the fall. But he has hit some 95, 96, Hayden Dirk up to 96. You know, Carter Robinson doesn't have quite as much power, but Carter 6'9", you know, it, it, it looks like he just drops the ball on yeah. the plate after after he finishes his delivery. So, But 
you know, we really do have we have some power guys, and it's just not the power; it's it's the command, and it's the secondary stuff. You know, the curveballs, the sinkers, the changeups. It's it's really good stuff. Um, you know, this weekend, and and Tulane has a tremendous pitching staff as well. As well, you know, I think runs are probably going to be at a premium this weekend because both staffs have really good arms. So if you like pitching, buckle like up. Pitching, it's going to yes. be fun. Yes. Uh, that is associate head baseball coach Anthony Babineau from Louisiana's Raging Cajuns. Louisiana, their season begins this Friday, 2 o'clock at Tulane. That Friday game no longer scheduled for 6.30. It's been moved up to 2 p.m. 1.30 pregame. We'll have it on uh, News Talk 96.5 KPEL where you can hear weekend and conference games this year and uh, most of your midweek games right here on ESPN 14.20. And, boy, you got some. I mean, you guys are coming out the gate, Bab. Opening at Tulane, La Tech, LSU at Russo Park next week on the 23rd and 24th. Then you got Rice, who isn't – they're not as good as they traditionally have been, but it's still a pretty historic program. I mean, and then La Tech and McNeese right after that uh, on the road the following week. I mean, 10 games right out the gate, hopefully. Knock on wood, as you like to say. We, we get them all in there. But uh, Deg said he, he loves the idea of coming out the gate and just not even – not trying to take it slow whatsoever. Well, you know, you got to have, you got to get your guys weathered. You have to get them ready for for conference play, which we've got a, a very very tough conference. The conference is very good this year, and then you just you have to get the guys. You know, Coach Robe, he he used the word all the time, weathered. He loved to use that word, and and it's true. You have to get them in the fires and put them in certain situations to to prepare themselves for the end of the year and. The end of the year, the regionals, those are teams that you're going to be playing. Teams like Rice, teams like, you know, Tech, teams like LSU, TCU, Southern Miss. So why not why not try and play those guys early if you get the opportunity? And fortunately, we're a program that has the opportunity to play those guys, but not just play them, but bring a lot of those teams in here. Like a Rice and a TCU, those guys called and wanted to come here because they know that they're going to get a good game. They know they're going to get treated fairly. They know they're going to get fed well, and and they know that it's a it's a situation where playing us is not going to hurt their RPI. It's going to because usually ours is really good. Anthony Babinar, I guess you mentioned it's going to be fed well. The atmosphere is going to be great. It's going to be a unique year at Russo Park. It's going to be great with the seven hundred and seventy nine fans that are going to be allowed in the stadium. There you go. So, what kind of impact does that have? Is I, I'm not suggesting you say it equals this many wins or losses, but on a personal note, Bab, and, and I'm not suggesting that they should allow thousands of fans in there. That's not what I'm saying. But you've been part of the program for over three decades. It's going to be – is that going to be the weirdest thing about this season, just having home games where it's going to be as spread out as it is and just I, – I don't know I don't know what to expect, I guess, because right. 779 could be loud as hell and really cool, but – all I know is it's gonna. You can't say it's gonna be the same. Something's gonna be different. Well, obviously it won't be the same when when night in and night out you have anywhere from twenty five hundred to four thousand or or close to five thousand fans. So it will be different. But you know we we focus on our ourselves, our game, and, and try to be as good as we can be. And, and we're just gonna, you know try to put the best product we can out on the field for those 779 fans that that can come. You know, fortunately, the Cajun Cooking Club is still going to be able to, to to do their thing, you know, so you'll have the the smoke and the smell still, you know, from, from that area. It's part of the ambiance, man. It is. It really is. And, you know, I, I know that those 779 people are, are going to 
are going to chant the raging Cajun, uh, you know, and and do what they normally do. So it, it won't be as loud, but, you know, the music will still be there and everything. So I think that uh, while it will be different, obviously, it'll still be good. It'll be so, I think the fact that we're playing again uh, after over, you know, close to right out a year, the fact that we're going to get to play again is, is going to be almost enough for us to, to go out there no matter if there's, 4,000 people, 779, or, or zero. I really do. Anthony Babineau, our guest, ESPN 1420. Well, yeah, that, that's that's the thing to keep an eye on. You're getting to play here. And, um, you know, when it's been as long as it has been, we've referenced that game against McNeese. It's not too often you talk about McNeese constantly, but when it's the last game of just a crazy period of time where – Let's be real. When the season got shut down, we didn't know what the future would look like. We had right. no idea what 2021 would look like in terms of this season. And, you know, God willing, 2022 with vaccines and everything else, maybe it can be what, what it used to be. But for now, you take what you can get and, and you play with it. And I know you guys are amped to do that. Um, the expanded roster this year. We kind of talked about this during the break a little bit. But because college baseball and, and because of COVID-19, Teams are allowed to have as many players on the roster as they want. Uh, I believe you guys went with 40. Why is that the Why is that the number? Well, we went with 40 because we thought that anything over that would just it would just be too difficult to manage. I mean, you know, you you really 40 is a great number to to have what you need each and every day with the position players and the and the pitching staff and and have some really good depth. You know, anything be, beyond that. It's really too many players to manage and, and can bring can bring other problems. So we felt like forty was the right number. I if, wish it if, was I wish it was forty every you know, they, that, they, they did that just question. for this season. Yeah. Where they, they expanded the rosters, you know, and supposedly next season, if everything is back to normal, you know, we'll go back to the thirty five man roster and um you know, they also what they also did with expanding the rosters is they upped the number of people you can have on scholarship from twenty seven to thirty two, so we could have five more five more players this this season than we could last season, which has helped out. You know, I I, I want to touch on that and something we talked about earlier about staying ready, accepting the supporting role, and when that first you know started, like you said, you guys are going to meet with the team today. And in terms of the infield and outfield and who's starting, you're going to go through all that with the players today. So they'll learn today. And how does everyone respond to that is the big question. But this season, again, it's unique for all the obvious reasons. But with a 40-man roster and supporting roles that, well, if you're going to be an understudy in, in, a, in a theater production or on a baseball team this year more than any other, just be ready. Because with COVID, Bab, as you know, I'm sure that's something that you're going to be talking to the guys about of, mm-hmm. hey, be ready. Because you might think going into a game, all right, I'm not playing today. And like that, day of the game, it's, hey, you're starting. We're all day-to-day. We're all day-to-day. And, and we have been since since this pandemic started, really. I mean, nothing tomorrow is not promised. And it still isn't. Even though we have vaccines and things are, are better, I mean, you're right. I mean, at any at any time, uh, an everyday player could be out, and a and a support guy can be in. So you you have to work while you wait, as as thirty six would say all the time. I think uh, work work positive while you wait, and the expanded roster, an insurance policy this year of sorts. I think because at some point. 
COVID will rear its ugly head. Hopefully everyone will be okay. But with respect, Coach, and you talked about how great a job the players are doing, you can do everything right. That's correct. I mean, I I did everything right, and I still got it. This was back in, in, in November. I was wearing a mask. I mean, I have autoimmune deficiency. I wasn't going a lot of places. I was just doing what I had to do. You can do everything right, and at some point, whether it's you or an opponent, it's just that is the – I think the biggest wild card, obviously, this season. And when does it happen? What game does it happen in? How do you respond? It's just something that you can prepare your best for. But when it comes, how do you? How does that? How does that preparation play itself out? You right. know, that's a big question mark this year. Yeah, you know, and, and we've done some things, some, taking some measures to try to stay as safe as possible, and and to limit that, we're taking two buses this year to every trip instead of just one because. Our, our travel party usually is with the players, coaching staff, support staff. It's anywhere usually from 45 to 50 people. We travel on a 56-passenger bus. Well, obviously, everybody is, you know, two to a row, four, four to a row on each side and um, on top of each other. So we're going to take two buses and spread every everyone out. Not that that will totally eliminate any contacts because of the because you know there's the amount of time that we're going to be on that bus obviously longer than 15 minutes 15 20 minutes yeah. but at least it'll it'll help because you know guys are going to be 6 to 7 feet apart in the bus so wearing masks so we've done some things to try and 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 prevent what we were just talking about it's it's you do the best you can, and you just roll with it. ESPN1420.com. <clears throat> that is Anthony Babineau. I'm Scott Prather. We've talked about the roster. We've talked about COVID. We've talked about – you talked about Tulane and and how strong their pitching staff is and a great way to, to kick off the season. Um, you know, if, if you're looking for good pitching, you can expect it this weekend in, uh, in Uptown New Orleans. But when we come back, I want to talk to Bab a little bit about the head coach. Matt Deggs, that intensity that I always tell folks about, what's it like day-to-day, and, um, of course, we'll maybe share a memory or two about 36. Don't go anywhere. The Great Scott Show continues right after this. Catch ESPN 1420, UL Rage and Cajun games, get breaking local sports news, listen to your favorite sports shows, and win prizes. Mm-hmm. I do that. It's simple. All you got to do is tap that app. Yo, tap it. Tap it in. Give it a little tappy. The ESPN 1420 app, available for free on your smartphone or tablet. Tap that app. The ESPN 1420 app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Final segment here. Be careful out on the roads, everybody. I know there is a cold rain out there. Freeze and rain. Be safe. The Pelicans coming up in just a little bit with Beyond the Game. Anthony Babineau has been our guest this hour. He'll be joining me Wednesdays throughout the baseball season to talk Ragin' Cajun baseball who begin their season this Friday at Tulane. Game was originally scheduled for 6.30. That game is now scheduled for 2 p.m. due to the weather expected that night and uh, 1.30 pregame on News Talk 96.5. KPL. You're around Deggs as much as anybody, um, whether it be when he was on the staff prior or when he came back as the head coach. Um, I know some folks that played for Deggs back when he was 
I think, in Texarkana. And, um, you know, his journey, he's written a book. It's been well-documented. All of my conversation with Degs have been great, but I always say that there is this intensity that is always on the surface. Even And it's not a bad thing. Like, I could be talking to him about Top Gun, mm-hmm. and it's like there's there's just I, – I, it's hard for me to explain it to someone that, that's never talked to him or met him, but when I bring it up to guys that have played for him, they're like, yeah, I mean, it's it's all. It seems like it's always there because everything he does, he tackles with an intensity. Whether it be his prayer life, whether it be fatherhood, whether it be baseball, whatever it might be. How would you describe his intensity? I would describe his intensity as consistent. You know, kind of the way you just said, like it's it's always there. But the reason that you have great conversations with him, like. It's his intensity is is always there, but there's also like compassion. I guess uh, is is the word uh, that I that I'd use because you know he knows when it's time to kind of dial things back a little bit in order to have a great conversation for an interview. It's, right? It's always measured. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Instead of of I mean I think you can even listeners can feel and sense intensity and passion when they're listening to him in an interview, but it's not, you know, at at a, we tell the players all the time, you know, there's playing the game at a, at a, at a zero or a one where it's like, oh man, I'm chilled and gosh, you know, everything is just like the wolf pack. And then, and then there's playing it at a 10 where the house is on fire and you're running around all over the place out of control or playing it out of six or seven, where you're under control, but there's still intensity, but you, you can get things done. You know, that's kind of where he, he can dial things down, you know, up or down kind of as he needs. So that's why he's able to have great conversations, great interviews, been able to, you know, compose himself enough to write a book and, and, and things like that and agree be a great father. You know, he brings that passion and that compete to everything that he does but as you said, it's measured. It's measured. And, and and I think when I first started telling people that, I got the sense that they didn't, maybe I wasn't explaining it well enough because I, I found that when I talk to him, he's like ready to throw down or something for me or, or gets mad at it. It's nothing like that. It's right. just I, I always have gotten the sense that every time I've talked to him, it's just kind of bubbling on the surface, and it's it's what makes him good at what he does. It's it's I get the sense that it's the only thing the only way he knows, like, yes, it's it's this. This is how I do things, measured as you put it. And I think if it wasn't measured, then he, he probably wouldn't be successful. But he's he's had a lot of success in his life, whether it be in coaching, whether it be as an author, or uh, you know, in, in in everything else in his life. And if you've read the book, it's all very well documented. And he talked about when Roe gave him that second chance, mm-hmm. and um, and how it was his last chance, and how he he, he said, and I quote, "Robe saved my life." Um, last year, the buildup to the season, so much was about Tony, and then the season got cut short and everything we've been through. No matter what season it is, 36 is always going to be hovering over the baseball program, and right. that's a beautiful thing. What? How do I ask this? How? I know that you think about him every day because you told me that. How often at this point, now that we're in, in, in year two since his passing, does he get brought up, whether it be a lesson he taught – and how much of it is just on the surface, but not 
not spoken about all the time, if that question makes sense. It does, and, and he gets brought up often. I mean, especially amongst the coaching staff because everyone in that, in that room on the coaching staff has had time with him, whether it be three years that Coach Deggs had with him when he was here, whether it be five years that Jeremy and, and Jake have had with him uh, before he passed, whether it was two years that B.J. Ryan had with him as a player, whether it was 14 that Domang had on the staff or the 25 that I had with him. We've all had time with him, so he comes up a lot amongst us. And, you know, he comes up in serious situations. He comes up in funny situations, Um, you know, all different scenarios. He comes up in those conversations because we've all experienced him in those areas, whether it be during uh, during a game, something funny, something serious. But he comes up a lot to the players because we use things that he would use because it's the right things to use. It's it's the way the game's supposed to be played. It's an analogy that he might have made that Matt or or one of the coaches is trying to make that they've heard from him because it's useful. It it fits. It could have been said in 1995 his first year here, but it still applies today. You know, so he he gets brought up a lot. He really does and and the fact that our season got shortened last year was was a tragedy for more reasons than just not being able to play baseball. You know, that season was going to be dedicated to him. And so this season really is kind of a continuation, we feel, of that. You know, the the robe, the, the robe patches are still on our jerseys. Um, his number's still on the back of our cap. Um, you know, Colleen and, and her family, Justin, Austin, Ashley, they're, they're still going to be have a, a very good presence at our at our games. So... This season is is really going to be a continuation of of that. Thirty six forever, absolutely. Anthony Babineau has been our guest. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. Uh, I appreciate Anthony. I know the roads aren't the greatest, but I also know you were going to work today, and uh, y'all got <laughs> practice scheduled, and and y'all got a busy day here uh, lined up as you guys prepare for the season opener against Tulane this Friday. Two p.m. is the scheduled start time now for the season opener. In New Orleans, uh, 1.30 pregame. That's on News Talk 96.5 KPL, our sibling station. They have a 2 o'clock scheduled first pitch on Saturday, 1 o'clock on Sunday. Pregame begins 30 minutes prior to each one. And then uh, the home opener is uh, in six days against La Tech. And a week from the day, LSU is coming to Russo Park. So a lot of Cajun baseball is about to unfold. I appreciate you taking the time, man. Be safe on the roads. All the best to the family. And uh, look forward to chat with you next week. Thank you, Scott. Always right. enjoy being on here. That is Anthony Babineau. Don't go anywhere. Steve Peliquin is next. Beyond the game on ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. Please take me far away. Now feel the wind blow. I'm leaving.